Hi, I'm Andrea Olson, and you're listening to the More of What Matters podcast, honest conversations for daring women. In this podcast, we explore all the ways life on the inside can feel as good as success on the outside. If you aspire to create a home, workplace, and community that reflects your values, you've found your spot here. I am a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur and business owner and coach with over 17 years of experience who knows success is only one piece of the conversation. We go deeper here. Let's jump right in. Welcome to the More of It Matters podcast. I am sitting down with founder and CEO of 95 Media, which is a digital marketing agency. Her name is Emma Tesler. And in this conversation, we actually talk about media, but in a very founder-specific way, meaning we talk about the things that drive you as an entrepreneur to take on that role as founder of a brand, but also the things you can be doing to personalize that brand. So it is not so much about what you offer, but who you are. And I love that that came through. It wasn't even planned in that sense. But I think when you're talking about success on the inside and having it feel a certain way, it always goes back to who are you, first of all, because the only way success can feel good is when you are realizing that you are the one that defines that. And I love this conversation with Emma. I think you're going to really get a lot out of it, especially if you use social media to build a business of any size or type. Here's my conversation with Emma Tesler. Hi, Emma Tesler. Welcome to the More of What Matters podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. Okay, and I think it's so fun that we're both in Dallas. I had no idea when we booked this that you also live here. So I know. It's a small, small world around Dallas. It's a big place. I know. (laughs) Well, and after reading your bio, I definitely didn't think you lived here. And we'll get into that as to why I thought that. But can you give everybody kind of like a 30,000 foot view of your career path up to this point? I know that's kind of a loaded question because you can go a lot of ways with it, but bring us up to speed on where you are now, but starting with some background on you and, and how you got there. Yeah, my career path is a winding journey, not the traditional path at all. I originally thought I was going to be an interior designer. Um, So I went to school for interior design. I was so in love with the career. I mean, who wouldn't? It's like such a fun, (laughs) such a fun career path. But while I was in school, I actually was interning for a designer and She was building this new branch of her business and wanted to utilize Instagram to kind of get the word out. And this was in 2015 when no one was really doing that. I didn't even know that was a thing. I was 19 years old. I was just posting sunset photos and calling it a day. Like I did not know anything about Instagram in terms of business. And I was the youngest person on her team. And she was just like, you're an intern, you're 19, you can figure this out. (laughs) Like, here's my phone. And that ended up being the best thing ever because as I kind of explored this space and did some research and looked into like, what are other people doing in the very limited brands that are using Instagram for marketing right now, I began to discover what has now become social media marketing and seeing the beginning stages of that and really looking at, okay, what is possible? What are people talking about? What are brands doing? Just kind of lit this fire in me and I got really, really excited about it. So I was 
excited, but I was like, we're not doing anything with this. We're in school. We, we just started college. Like we're going to finish here. So over the next few years, I, you know, took on some clients here and there and ended up landing my dream job in interior design before I even graduated. So again, I was like, all right, well, this is the universe telling me we're doing design. <laughs> like we are on the path of design and we're sticking with it. And so once I entered corporate, um, I just I realized it wasn't really what I thought it was going to be, which I think a lot of young people realize. They're like, okay, well, school was not, didn't prepare me for this life. And I, I just realized that I didn't want to stay in it forever. And so at that point, I kind of made the intentional decision to begin taking on more clients, begin really focusing on learning all of the things about marketing. At that point, it was 2017 and marketing had come a long way, but it still had a long ways to go in terms of the digital space. And so I began taking on more clients and working towards building our brand. And I made my first hire and just kind of built our clientele and our team really slowly. And then in 2020, decided to leave corporate and go full-time in 95 Media, which is our digital marketing agency. And since then, we have just experienced really wonderful growth and been able to serve hundreds of clients with social media management, email marketing, podcast production, and just essentially a really holistic approach to their digital marketing strategy. And my team and I are just so excited to do that. And it literally lights me up every single day. Wow. Well, and you, you made that transition. You were 25, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible that you were at a place in your career where you could do that. Now let's back this up just a little bit because I've, I've talked to you now a little bit to know a little bit about your background and what went into that decision. So you were working this as a true side hustle for three years? Three? Right? Yes. No, five okay. years. Five years. Oh, longer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and just very gradually. Is that true? Yeah, gradually, especially in the beginning. I mean, like the first uh, two years were when I was still in college. And so, you know, I had like one client, maybe one and a half, like it wasn't anything big. And then once I made that intentional decision after I entered corporate, that I was like, okay, I really am going to work towards trying to bring this to life, trying to go all in on this. Um, that is when the side hustle really took off and those hours just built and built. <laughs> I love that. I just so, I so resonate with that. And I think it's such great advice for, for young people to consider. And I remember feeling this in my bones in my twenties too, which was, I was in my dream job as well, but you don't know what's ahead. You don't know what decisions are going to be made that are out of your control. You don't know what you want to be prepared for, what options you want to have. Were you having some of those thoughts leading up to that? I know 2020 was its own whirlwind of a year that nobody saw coming, but were you having some of those thoughts before 2020 or did that set the full-time idea in motion? Before 2020, I every year would try and hype myself up to like leave corporate and go all in on this. It was an annual hype job for myself and it never worked because it's terrifying to leave a quote unquote secure paycheck. You know, you're going to get paid every two weeks. You know that you're going to have a job, whether or not you're working crazy hours and you're not enjoying it. Like you still have a job and you're still getting paid. And so to set yourself up to leave that and you know, fully trust that what you have put the time into building is going to be able to support you is a really scary decision. So for me, I, in the beginning of 2020, certainly wasn't 
planning to leave. But what ended up happening was that the world of design was hit really hard by COVID and by the pandemic because there was a lot of inventory issues and duties, taxes, and like all the things, a lot of things just kind of compiled on. And I also was doing design for corporate office spaces in 2020, which there were none of. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, that job was like really impacted and not that I was like, you know, oh, let me just jump ship while they're low. Like that wasn't it at all. It just, it made me reconsider the security of that job that I thought that there was and kind of realized that actually it's a little more secure to work for yourself because I know that I'm going to put in the work at the end of the day to make this thing work. And so during the course of 2020, I really just got serious on, okay, what are those things that I need to prep in order to take that leap and feel comfortable that I'll be able to bring in the clientele and pay myself and pay the team and do all the things that I didn't necessarily need to worry about when I had a paycheck coming in. Um, So it was really kind of setting myself up. And then I ended up leaving uh, in Q4. So it was like literally the end of the year. I was like, we're going to do this. Like we're, we're going all in. We're committing to it at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love that a couple of things you said that like really just stood out. One is that, you know, we glamorize the idea of, of being able to replace uh, an income with another income. It's not always that simple. That's not actually that's not actually the leap, right? In most cases, the leap for you is just having enough that you could pay yourself enough to live, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think there's like this glamour attached to that decision. It's actually just so highly risky, and it means you're taking a risk on yourself more than anything. It's extremely risky. And I I completely agree with you that it's like this glamorized idea where you're like, oh, I'll just pay myself because the reality is there's so much that goes into paying yourself and all these like, you know, taxes that you don't have when you work for someone else. And then you have to pay quarterly taxes and you're just like, what is taxes? Like what is going on right now? And it, it is a very scary decision and it's not something to be taken lightly. And I always think that there's, you know, anyone who's considering making that decision, it's amazing that you're at a point where you can consider it, but, you know, sit down and really realize, okay, or not realize, but like really take account for what do I need to live on? What can I like start paying myself that, as you said, is the bare minimum that I need to live on. And then you build from there. You know, no one quits their, not no one, very few people quit their job and are able to pay themselves multi six figures the second they leave. And the reality is that a lot of people, you know, you kind of do go through those struggle years in the beginning, but at the end of the day, you do it because you know what you're building and you believe in yourself to build this vision that you have. And that belief kind of carries you through in a lot of ways. (laughs) Well, and my, my advice, especially after talking to a lot of those who have done it in their 20s and in their 30s and really any stage, but I would say those two stages the most, don't plan on leaving your job and working less. Like that, that is so important to hear. Otherwise, there is this little bit of resentment that could happen, which is, wait a minute, I thought I had afforded this great flexible option, which I love the flexibility of working for myself. No question about it. But it does mean some sacrifices in places a lot of times you don't think of. Yeah. And especially in 2020, when I left corporate and entered like the world of entrepreneurship full time, there was this 
the like laptop lifestyle was really popular and oh well I only work four hours a week and you know and it I'm so glad that that's not still popular (laughs) for people entering it now but it really it was this like really big idea and I think a lot of people entered the world of entrepreneurship in 2020 especially when you know a lot of jobs were doing layoffs and things like that and realized, okay, this isn't actually what I want. And a lot of people have gone back to corporate since then, which there is nothing wrong with realizing like, okay, this isn't actually what I want because you were sold this idea of what it looked like when that's not really the reality at all. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's the fun of entrepreneurship is actually loving something so much that it's not, it doesn't feel the same as work in another situation. It's not the escape from work period. Yes. That that to me is actually more like you want independent wealth more than you want to be an entrepreneur because they're different, wouldn't you say? I could totally, totally agree. And I say this all the time. If I worked the hours that I work for myself or someone else, I would hate them. <laughs> I would be so yeah. upset. But because it's for yourself, it literally most days does not even feel like work. Yeah, maybe I'm like, oh God, like I'm so tired. But then, you know, because you work for yourself, you can take off an hour in the afternoon and go run errands. Sometimes I'll go run errands, get a little diet coke, come back, and I'm like, refresh. Let me work until 8 p.m. because I just took off two hours in the afternoon. And like yeah. you don't have that flexibility when you work for someone else and it oftentimes 100% you're working more than a nine to five hours but you don't mind it because it's for your dream and it's for what you're what you're working towards so when you think about the work you're putting in now ahead of um you know like thinking about the next 10 years let's just say are you working a certain way with the future of what you want in mind like are you putting in these extra hours, this very dedicated focus, because you have this vision compelling you forward? Or are you just so enamored with the work? Like, tell me, because that's really, I think, um, a big piece of tapping into this, like, idea of more of what matters is knowing why you're doing it. I love that question. That's such a great question. I, I've gone through different phases in business where some phases I'm very, strict on goals and have a very clear mapped out vision, one year, three year, five year, 10 year situation and have it all laid out. And then other times I'm just like, I'm enjoying it. This is just working. And this is, feels really good. And so I kind of teeter back and forth between those two, but ultimately for me, I, I put in the time now because I don't want to put it in later. And so when I was 22 and working literally like 18, 20 hour days because I was working a nine to five and I'd come home and work every night and weekend. And I don't know when I slept and how I had time to go out and drink and party at 22. I have no idea how it all happened, but I knew at that time, like I remember sitting in my like 300 square foot apartment in Manhattan being like, this is not sustainable. Like this, there's no way I'm going to be able to keep doing this, but I didn't care because I knew I was doing it then, so I didn't have to do it later. And it also didn't really suck when I was 22 doing that. I was just like, well, I got the energy now. Like, I'll just do it all now. And I even still feel that way, you know, at this point, years later, I'm like, I don't want to be having to work or feeling like I have to work, you know, so many hours as I enter my 30s and my late 30s and my 40s. And like, I I would rather do it now and be prepped to do whatever I want to do 
down the road. So I don't think I have this very clear, strict vision of what 10 years from now looks like, but I do know that I am so happy and so excited to put in that time now so that in 10 years, my life can look different and I'm not tied to my desk on the computer for 10 hours a day at that point. Yeah. Well, the glamour of that definitely shifts once there's others in the picture. I know that was my experience. You know, as soon as my son was born, I was like, okay, I'm starting to see clearly how I want to spend my time and that it is not just about me anymore. And I think that's a really, I mean, it's incredible to have that ability to see forward and decide now that that's propelling you in some way. Because a lot of times people don't realize that until that shift happens and then it's like, oh shoot, what do I do about this now? I can't, I can't just leave my job, you know? Yeah. So no totally. Um, so you, your expertise is digital, digital marketing, digital media. I, just because I have you on, I'm like, I have to ask her, like, what are some of the things in 2024 you see really being trends and maybe not even just trends, like shifts in digital marketing and digital media? I think one of the biggest shifts, and we've seen it slowly happening over the past few years, is just we all want more realness on social media. The the filtered lifestyle, the curated life, like that's why we're all moving towards TikTok and why a lot of people are favoring TikTok over Instagram because Instagram is still very curated. But even over on TikTok, there's a lot of this cure we're all curating our content if we're being real. Everything is curated. But when we look at the creators that have really emerged, even like the Forbes 30 under 30 that just came out, like the creators that are at the top of that list are the ones who are being a lot more open and authentic with their life. I hate that word authentic. It's so overused, but they're the ones who are just being more honest about the things that are going on and showing the bad along with the good. Because yeah, we all want to see the good and we all like the glamour and we all like the fun parties that influencers go to and things like that. But also we need to know the things that they're going through behind the scenes in order to really connect with them. And the problem that I see with a lot of brands who are not influencers, they're, you know, the face of a brand like you and me, or they're a a larger corporation who maybe doesn't have a face to the brand. They struggle with this idea because they say, well, I'm not an influencer. No one cares about my life. No one wants to know that my kid missed school because he was puking in my car and then I missed my morning meeting and like, you know, all these things that everyone goes through these struggles on an everyday life. But when you really think about it, those things that go wrong and the struggles that we have are the things that actually connect us. They're the things that you build relationships with other people on. So why would that not build relationships and community with your audience online? And the truth is that it does, but we're all really scared still to show that. And I think there's just going to be a bigger shift in 2024 of us, more brands realizing that, okay, I need to figure out a way to build these more human connections and be more real with my audience in whatever way that looks like for you. Cause it will look differently for every brand, but really being able to find those connection points with your audience and beginning to build them so that you can build more community and more relationships with the person on the other side of the screen will be really important. I love that. It's kind of like, you know, eating too much sugar. If you, all you do is eat sugar, like a really good quality meal is so shockingly different to the system that it kind of throws everything off versus like what you're describing. Like if only highlights of everything is on there, 
there's nothing really to grasp a hold to. Like there's no stickiness factor. Um, I find myself scrolling really quickly through those because I'm just like, tap, tap, tap. Okay, your life is great. Um, and I get it. I mean, we all probably do some of that more times than others, right? Depending on what we're what we're talking about on social. What is your rule of thumb with when we say being real? Like, because I think that scares people with individual brands. Like, okay, so how much am I sharing? What is what is too much? And I I know that probably is different by individual. But do you have a rule of thumb on that? The way I like to look at it is when you're in particular looking at Instagram, which is where most people have trouble being more real because it's just a more curated platform, is looking at your Instagram stories and maybe even a little bit of your feed content with the lens of you as, okay, let's put it as like, you're the face of the brand. So you're a small business, you are the face, you have a team, but like you're primarily the face of your business. So you're the one primarily on your Instagram stories. I want you to begin thinking about your life and the things that you show on stories as a reality show. And someone who does this really, really well is Danny Austin. She's based here in Dallas with us. She's the founder of Divi Scalp Care. And her Instagram stories, if you haven't watched them, watch them. They're so good for so many reasons. But the two big ones are that her husband films her a lot. And so it feels kind of like behind the scenes content. It's not all like her filming herself, which is very different than a lot of people. Um, kind of like an untraditional take to your Instagram stories, but it makes it feel like a reality show. Not saying you need to go that far, but it works. And the second piece is she basically never talks about Divi, her brand, like the way she makes money, which is so interesting. But that's kind of one extreme. If you want to just kind of look at as a starting point, the way to really begin looking at your life as a reality show is begin to look at your life in who are your characters? Who are the characters that are going to show up on your stories? Because when you decide who the characters are, you get to build that boundary that you were talking about where, how do I decide how far I go? How do I decide how much I share? When you decide your characters and how much you're going to talk about your characters, that allows you to build the boundary from day one. So maybe you have a new puppy who doesn't sleep through the night and you're able to talk about him. You have a husband, you have two kids, your mother-in-law lives down the street and she comes over unannounced all the time and it drives you crazy. Like little things like that to begin introducing into your stories that are things you talk about in conjunction with your business. And we all get caught up in, well, like, I don't want to just talk about my family. I don't want to just talk about my business. But oftentimes when we say, well, I don't want to just talk about me, me and like the personal side of my family, we lean way too hard into the business side. So finding a balance of, okay, talking about a little bit of both on the days that you get on stories is a great way to begin and feel your footing out. But what you're going to find is that the personal stuff that you share is going to get a lot more interaction, engagement, replies than the business stuff. That doesn't mean stop sharing the business stuff though. That just means that that is what's going, your personal stuff is going to help you drive traffic to the business. And that process is what every successful brand is doing right now. That's how every influencer is making their money. They're bringing you in from the personal and then they're selling you into the products that they're, you know, paid by the brands for promoting, endorsing, whatever you want to call it and their own personal brands, things like that. And it's this cycle that they're putting you through. So you should be doing the same for yourself. That's so good. And I agree. Like, 
there, I think there is a tendency to think, well, I'm not getting any interaction on those, so it's not landing. You're probably not going to get a ton of interaction, but you will eventually see the difference in overall results and then likability and trust increasing and other other things, right? Like the stickiness of someone staying on your stories is probably a better indicator than the number of DMs you got to the business hundred percent. Yeah. It's kind of looking at it as your personal life is the top of funnel and it brings them into the funnel. And then your business is kind of like that mid and lower funnel. Another brand that does it really well is Ring Concierge, the founder, Nicole Wegman. She, she's the face of the brand and she gets on stories and her stories don't have a ton of personal, but I find myself watching the stories, waiting for the personal stuff. So I'm still consuming all of the business along the way. And that's another really great way to think about it. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, especially if people are like, well, I don't want to share all my life on social media. I definitely haven't found that you need to. And I share, I share pictures of my kids. Like I share a good variety, but I certainly day to day, like usually I'm posting those later or sharing about stuff after the fact. I'm not always sharing it in real time because I don't often just want to be on my phone constantly in front of my kids. And so I've created that balance of that. I don't think that matters, right? Like you can do all that. It doesn't have to be in real time in the moment. Always. Definitely. Yeah. And I think okay. that when you post after the moment too, you get to give yourself that space and decide, okay, is this something I want to share? How do I make this storyline in the stories actually make sense too? Because oftentimes when you're sharing something personal, you can kind of weave it into something business related. And if you're sharing yeah. in the moment, you can't necessarily think about it like that. So yes, give yourself some time and post after the fact. Um, and you might actually find even better results from doing it that way. Yeah. I I used to do it more the other and I just found I couldn't keep up with that. Not yeah. with two kids, not with a lot of other things going on, usually a lot of friends around and all the things. And so when I started doing that, I actually found my captions and my whatever I was putting on my stories actually was better quality and then I found exactly what you described to be true. So I love that reminder. Okay, so let's say you're not building a social media brand at this moment. Um, Your personal brand is still on social media, though. How would you be using social media if you weren't an entrepreneur right now? Um, I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I guess I'd just be scrolling a lot. Isn't that funny to think about? I I don't know. Sometimes I think about that, and I'm like, I would. that's so different because I really have for the last 10 years. I know. And, and I, I actually think about it all the time. And we, my team and I just like found this meme recently where it was like, um, about how neglected social media managers, personal accounts are, because at the end of the day, you're literally just so tired of looking at social media. Like I want nothing to do with it. I haven't posted to my personal Instagram in a year and a half. And I post five times a week to our business profile. So that's so funny. Yeah. Because personal brands are becoming the new currency, right? Yes. I so, mean, I mean, if you're building a personal brand, and you absolutely need to be on social media. That is my perspective being someone who is aggressively on social media all day, every day. But if you are building a personal brand, it is really important to be on social. But I think the beauty of that is you get to decide what that looks like, especially in those early days, um, because it's going to get more complex. You know, like as you land brand deals, which you're likely going to want to do if you're building a personal brand, they're going to have content requirements and certain deliverables that you have to show up and put out there. Um, But in those early days, you definitely get to decide where and how you want to show up. 
Um, but building a personal brand, I think is really important, even if you are a founder. And that's something that's come up a lot this year as well. And I think we're going to continue to see more of in 2024 is founders building their personal brand in addition to the brand page. Um, one example of this is the founder of Tarte, Maureen. I don't know her last name. Um, Kelly, Maureen. Maureen Kelly, yeah. yes. And mm-hmm. uh, for a really long time, she had no social media presence. I think until 2023, she had no social media presence. And Tarte was literally growing so fast. They had that Dubai trip like a year ago. Like they have been blowing yeah. up on social. And her team very smartly said, Maureen, you need to have a social media presence. We're going to start building this. And that has been a really important piece of their brand. And so I just think we're going to see more of that. So don't think also, if you are the founder that you don't need a personal brand, I do also think that it's important in that aspect as well. Yeah, because that might be where people connect with you more before they know the brand, right? Like that's that's the whole point is like, you know that Maureen's a, a mom and a wife and you get more of the behind the scenes of some of those day-to-day things that otherwise you'd just be looking at tart social media. You would never get that. Exactly. You'll never see that. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Very good. Okay. So in the last three years, you've been a solo entrepreneur with a team, but you have been self-employed. What are some of the things that you didn't expect that ended up really surprising you in entrepreneurship? Oh, that is an endless list. <laughs> yeah. Things yeah. I didn't expect. Um, I think something that really no one talks about a lot is how much when you are a solo entrepreneur, you know, you, I have an amazing team and they're, we're constantly in communication. We're all remote, but we're, you know, constantly talking on Slack and email and all of the things. But when you are the leader and you are the one leading everything and making the big decisions, you, at least I've found, you question yourself a lot on the big stuff because it's only you. And when you work in corporate, you have someone to go to and you can bounce those big ideas off of and you can say like, well, how did you do it this way? Like, does this make sense here? And in entrepreneurship, especially as a solo founder, you you find mentors and you find the people to ask the questions to But at the end of the day that those big decisions come down to you. Um, and you know, before I left corporate, there weren't that many big decisions. Like there were a lot of little decisions that led to a big decision. Um, but over the past three years, a lot of them have happened. So it, you know, every time you make a big decision, really going back to your vision, going back to what you're building and that like confidence in yourself, I think is so important and really underrated because otherwise you fall into this trap of questioning if you did it right and things are always going to go wrong. And then you can question yourself on them. And I think building that self-confidence and going back to, no, I know what I'm doing here. I really don't know what I'm doing, but I believe in myself that I know what I'm doing and we're going to figure it out along the way, I think is so, so important. Um, and definitely not something I expected to experience so often, um, but it is, you know, a really common and normal part of entrepreneurship. Um, and the other part would just be the freaking taxes. They suck, but you'll figure it out. You'll get a financial team and they'll help you along the way. Um, but yeah, those would be the big ones. <laughs> yeah, that's always so alarming. I know those quarterly taxes, they are... Uh, yeah, people don't talk about it. They don't talk about it much. That's they not the don't. fun part. I mean, what no. like you really could only talk about that so much, and then it'd be like, okay. Yeah. But it's true, and I, I, I've never had the size team that you have in terms of employees. I 
I don't have employees per se. I have contractors that work alongside me and they definitely feel like part of my team in that sense. But I have kind of a different type structure team and organization where it's a lot of um, women all over the country who do this business as a side gig or more than side gig, but we're all independent, right? And so I think that that, um, that desire to have that constant connection, especially for women, like I, I don't know that you can ever really fully appreciate how much more interaction you get in a corporate setting than you do as an entrepreneur, unless you really have the framework developed to ensure that you have it. Otherwise, it can be very quiet. And some people feel like it can be lonely depending on, you know, your support system. So yeah, that would be something I definitely think too. It's like, it can make you second guess your decisions too, because you're living kind of in a bubble of your own your own mind a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think if I weren't on, like, I mean, I work in my home office by myself all day. And if I weren't on zoom calls for five hours a day and in Slack in between and answering emails in between, I feel like I'm talking to people all day, even though I'm literally sitting at my desk staring at a computer screen. But yeah, I mean, our team is all women as well. That was like a really big part of my mission is putting more money in the hands of women. I think is like, you can't have anything bad happen when that happens. And I'm really passionate about supporting other women and bringing them into the fold and watching them grow on our team as well. And communication and community are so important and building that culture within our team was something that I've been super, super intentional about because that is what you miss when you don't go to an office and you don't get to chat over lunch with someone and over the coffee machine and things like that. And uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited because we, after being remote for all this time, I'm actually hosting our first in-person retreat in the beginning of 2024. So we're all going to be together for the first time and like actually interact in person. So that'll be really great. But up until this point, it really has all been about how can I nurture them and support them and build their relationships with each other outside of myself too, within this virtual remote team environment. Yeah. That's huge. Well, good for you. That sounds like a great, I mean, that's so important. Anytime we've done team retreats, they're hugely successful because it just makes you feel connected. So, all right. uh, Last couple questions. What is the thing that keeps you up at night regarding your business? That keeps me up. I wake up at three in the morning with like random thoughts. Oh, yeah. You're like, I don't even really fully ever go to sleep. I just, no. I'm always thinking. No, I feel like I'm always thinking about like that thing that I said to someone that they didn't confirm they finished, but I know they started and I have no idea if that actually got done. It's always for me yeah. communication. It's like, I'm a big communication person. I need to know like when something, like I just want to be like done, got it. And I'm like, great. My mind can check it off. Otherwise I have this open loop in my head and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. No, I get it. Okay. So what is something that you have splurged on for yourself? Like what's something where if you're, if you're going to spend your money somewhere, where do you personally splurge it on? I definitely spend it on travel. I love traveling, going, going new places, experiencing different cultures. That is hundred percent where my money goes. (laughs) I love that. Okay. If you were to give advice to 25 year old Emma, what would you say to her now? I would say go for it because you'll figure it out along the way. It'll all work out and it'll be better than what you thought it was going to be. Love that. And what is a dream that is not yet, like has not yet come to fruition that's still 
on your heart? I think more in-person connection that's been really on me this past year is really figuring out like new ways to bring our team together and our clients together. Um, and so with that, we like launched in-person content shoots for clients this past year, and now we're hosting our in-person team retreat. So slowly but surely I'm bringing it to life, but still trying to figure out more ways for that in-person connection that we're genuinely just all craving. Love that. What's the last great book that you read? I am actually currently reading, it's funny to say that because I just recorded a podcast episode about books and like my favorite books, but I'm currently reading, um, what is it? Who, not how. Um, It is all about how to delegate your work and, or not your work, but how to find people that can execute that so that you don't have to do all of the execution. And that is such a good reminder for any, anyone building anything is that you don't have to be the only one to build it. And I always like to just remind myself of that sometimes too, when I get too in the weeds with things and like, no, we have like a very capable, very talented team. They could all be doing this too. Um, and it's just a really great book to kind of remind you that it is the people in your life who help you bring your vision to life that allow you to do multiple things so that you don't get so caught up in the execution along the way. Love that. And what would you say in this moment right now, what is more of what matters to you? What matters more to me is figuring out how I can support the people around me. I think that's always something I'm thinking about is, you know, I want to figure out what my time outside of work looks like, but also how do I support my team in managing their time and building their their lives outside of work too. And, you know, anyone in my life, I for a really long time, I got really caught up in work and just putting in the time like we were talking about in the beginning, which I don't have any regrets about because it got me to where I am, but I'm in this season of life where I'm trying to figure out what does Emma's life look like outside of work and how can I also support the people around me and you know bettering that aspect of their lives too for sure I think work can become such an identity and it sometimes takes us being forced into it not so I think it's great to get ahead of that before it's forced yeah uh, because it it can really it can be hard to separate from and and not that you have to fully separate from it but just expand you know that that's really it's really wise so yeah Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Will you share just where people can connect with you and learn more about the work that you do? Yes. Thank you for having me. First of all, this is such a fun conversation. Um, Our website is 95media.co. I am super active over on Instagram. It's 90.5.media, all spelled out. And we have our own podcast as well. It's called Stop Scrolling, Start Scaling. We talk a lot about like marketing strategies and building your brand. Um, So if those things speak to you, I'd love to see you over there as well. Um, But yeah, our website and our Instagram are definitely the two main places to find us. Love it. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today on the More of What Matters podcast. I hope you're taking away some really powerful insights from this episode. I can't wait to hear how you're applying the inspiration you received today in your own life. DM me on Instagram. I'm at always a and more of what matters podcast. And let me know what's leaving you lit up so I can cheer you on. And also, would you mind doing me a huge favor if you haven't already? The best way to spread the word about the value of this podcast is when you rate, review, and subscribe and share it to your IG stories tagging me. 
I read every single review and appreciate every five-star rating more than you know. Thanks for making a meaningful impact where you are. I always love to hear about what more of what matters means to you.